Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Dr. Dawn Reno Langley. Dawn wrote her first published work at the age of nine, an essay on the Cuban Missile Crisis. And since then, she has written extensively for newspapers and magazines, published more than 30 books, children's, adult novels, and nonfiction, and award-winning short stories, essays, and poetry, as well as theater reviews and blogs. A Fulbright Scholar and TEDx Speaker with an MFA in Fiction and a PhD in Interdisciplinary Studies, Dawn lives on the North Carolina coast. Her latest book, You Are the Divine Feminine, will be released in spring 2021. And in today's conversation, we're going to talk about how place and space, where the writer is physically, can influence the type of writing and even the creative process itself. So Don, let's start with where are you now geographically? I know it says you're on the North Carolina coast, but give us a little more. I am on Carolina Beach, and I have a little patch of ocean that I can see between two buildings on two streets back. But between me and the beach is a big parking lot. So oh. I see right through, and I'm looking at the ocean right now. Well, and I am very envious. Now, <laughs> how is this different from where you, well, how long have you been, been at this current place? Been here since September 1st. Okay. And this how is, is actually, this? I'm sorry, go ahead. This actually has been a dream of mine my whole life. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I've always wanted to live by water. The closest I can get is the little plug-in fountain. Um, now, how is this different from where you had been in, in terms of the physical space? I was in Durham, which is about two and a half to three hours north of here and uh, <clears throat> a town home in the funky little artsy town. I love Durham. Durham's a very uh, tobacco town that is a small city at this point that has a real thriving arts scene, all kinds of theater and ballet and jazz and writing, et cetera, et cetera. So I loved it there. I was on the board of the Carolina Theater. In fact, I stayed on the board till about a week ago. Um, we we're hiring a new CFO and I mean a CEO. And there was no way I didn't know. I wanted to be part of that, so I stayed long enough to do that. But yeah, so this is uh, this is quite a difference from a neighborhood of townhomes to a duplex with a view of the ocean. What prompted the move? I hate to blame everything on COVID, but pretty much that's what did it. Um, I was living in Durham in the, the townhome with my partner, and both of us were discussing where we wanted to be five years from now, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you know, I really want that house on the beach where I can go walk on the beach and get my ideas for my books, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he wanted to own his own house. And he said, well, how can we both get what we want? So he bought my house. <laughs> I took the money and moved to the beach. Um, but no, this was a dream that I've always had. And during COVID, it was like, okay, is there anything else that I want to do in my life that I haven't done yet? And if there is, can I do it? 
Um, and I did, I made it happen. This is a short-term rental to the end of April. And then I have to decide whether this space is the place that I want to stay in or I want to go someplace else. Oh, wow. Jeez, you know, <laughs> I had this open-ended kind of, I don't know where I'm going next. <laughs> Again, I wonder how much of that is because of of COVID too. I mean, it's kind of it's upended so much of you know n- not only our normal life, but I think sometimes it also the way that it has impacted how we think about things. You know, like you said, you know, what else do I want to do with my life? And you know, it's it's one thing when you when you reach a certain age and you start saying, well, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? But with COVID, you start realizing it's not necessarily that, well, I have 10 or 20 or 30 years ahead of me. COVID sort of says, well, you really don't know. I could be hiding in the shadows somewhere coming out to get you. So kind of think about it now, you know. That's um, true. That's exactly what I was thinking. And, you know, I've, I've, beaten the odds a number of times before in my life and I didn't really want to take a chance on not being able to do it now and if I have to be in lockdown (laughs) I would rather it be someplace where I can take my dog for a walk on the beach twice a day yeah after I get to people and and I think you know I don't know. I have always found that being by water, I mean, the, the closest body of water I can get to besides a small lake in, a, in our park is if I go up to Lake Erie. But something about being by water, hearing the sounds, just the openness of it, it just makes such a difference. You know, that's, that's always kind of been my fantasy. I don't know if, if I'll ever be able to achieve what you've achieved, but it has always been you know, a wish of mine is, is to, you know, wake up, look out over, over something, over a pond, over something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it does. Now, now, I am curious too, because you were coming from a community that was very art centered. So it's not like you were living in, in the back of beyond where, you know, nobody cracks open a book or does anything, you know, literary or whatever. So you know, I would think that that sort of su- supported your writing I- creatively. But now you're in a completely different place. How is this affecting your writing in general, that you're in such a different type of location? Um, because I, I'm, I have moved a lot in my life, and it, I know now that there's a pattern. When I get to a new place, when I set myself up and I have a desk that I'm comfortable in and I've made a pattern of going to that desk every, every day and sitting at it, doing something, then the writing will open back up again. But usually it takes me probably a good, I've, I've cut it down because I know how to get into residencies really quickly. Um, and there's a couple that I go to regularly. So I know I have 24 hours to get settled in this space, make it mine, and work. And when you're a working writer, that's about as much time as you have. So it took, but it took me a little bit of time um, because I'm still, I don't know where anything is. Um, I don't know where to get things. I, I still feel a little bit untethered 
basically. So, but I just finished, which was really, I just finished my new draft. Ooh. And that happened while I was here. Uh -huh. I forced myself to sit down and do 20 pages, you know, a day of editing so that I could do it here. And it, it, it's worked because what I'm seeing is allowing my, my writing muscles to relax. I found before I moved, I found that I was really so focused on doing my work work versus my fictional work. You know, you have to do writing work to live. So I, I teach a class for an MFA program um, and I coach and edit other writers on the side, a very small group because I don't have that much time and I want that third part of my writing work to be my writing. So I was, I was feeling like I was doing more of my other work than I was my own work because the space was feeling smaller and smaller and smaller. And it helped that part of this lockdown that we've been through has been during months that I could actually get out of the house. Mm -hmm. you know, getting outside is definitely a biggie, but getting into a new space means not only getting back into that writing um, schedule pattern that I have, but it also means getting back into a personal pattern or schedule that's not even set yet. Mm -hmm. So got to balance those two. I know now that how long it takes for me to do that and I can push it, but I don't like to because usually when I push it, when I push my writing, it comes out sounding false. Mm -hmm. So I'd much rather for it to be a part of <clears throat> the speed that I'm ready to deliver it versus being forced to. Right to be produced when I, I'm not ready yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like you said, you can tell when it's, when you're trying to make it happen when it comes to fiction. I mean, I, you know, I, I write for a living and, and, you know, I can on command do whatever the editor, the client wants, whatever. That's no problem. I cannot write fiction on command. I have a, I have a schedule that I pretty much adhere to, which is making my fiction first thing in the morning. That way, when I work on client projects, uh, I'm, if I try to push it like during a work day, then I feel guilty. So guilt's a big thing. But, you know, I give it that time first thing in the morning. If I'm lucky and deadlines aren't too crazy, then I can work on it on the weekend. But it's still the idea that you can't you can't force it. You're there. You, you may make a lot of false starts, so at least you are present for it. But at the same time, it's it's not. I can't do it on command like I can do copywriting. You know? Yeah, I hear you. I you know I do a lot of nonfiction too, and that's I supported my family. Mm -hmm. I'll support myself. But fiction is a different muscle. It's a different set of muscles. And I think that to me, when I work on fiction, I'm, I really do have to have a quiet space. I have to have a space where I can go for a walk when I'm working the scene out in my head. Um, I work really well at a, a place at the writer's um, retreat here in North Carolina. That's a big old 
haunted building and it's haunted. I've been there five times, four times. Um, and I, I work really well there because it's a, it abuts this huge uh, state park forest actually. So you can go and get lost for hours and your mind is working through whatever issues you have. And then I come back and I'm, I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, what I need to write. Oh, nope. with me just in case I have an idea and I can. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I, I am curious about, um, you know, obviously your new location is, is inspiring for you, but how, how do you handle the flip side of it? How do you stop yourself from being, so distracted by the newness here's the ocean here's the beach here's some nice shells to go pick up how how do you keep yourself focused on what you need to do in terms of your writing so that it may feed your inspiration but doesn't sidetrack you Hmm, good question i i get sidetracked by things all the time (laughs) but I also need I know how to rein myself in and I think you know it's funny I don't even think about it anymore because I've been doing this my whole life so I just okay that's my dog he's wants something to to eat um I'm gonna move you anyways I I don't think about it anymore because it's my work Mm -hmm. and to my work it doesn't get done so, I don't know. Is that a bad answer? No. Oh, oh. I, I think it's I mean, it, it is, it does require a certain amount of discipline, I, I guess, you know. It, especially when it is a new place, because it's the excitement of a new place. Now, I know that you're, you're so you're working on edits to the new book now, right? Are yeah. you... Are you doing any other kind of fiction writing just even for fun? The new book is a novel. Okay. That's what I just finished editing and that's what I'm typing in. But there's also a new nonfiction book, um, which is in the very, the proposal stages. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the final edits for the book that's coming out in the spring. So Uh I have projects going at the same time. Um, and I, you know, I tend to, if I'm doing, and I also have an idea for another novel and I'm going to work on that in November, so mm-hmm. I've blocks of time, but I, I, I found that my various types of writing happen at different parts of the day. You know, my nonfiction I do in the morning, my class stuff I do in the morning. Most of my novel stuff is in the afternoon. And a lot of times at night, in bed on a plain old white composition notebook, you know, mm-hmm. it slows me down. So space, yeah, yeah. I I was just curious about whether you sometimes find yourself writing a little differently in terms of your fiction because of where you're at. If it you know how sometimes you can go to a certain place and it and you didn't realize even even that maybe you you weren't you know even how it's affecting a certain way that you're writing 
you know, just a different thing. So because this is such a different place, are you, are you seeing anything? Are you getting some sparks of ideas that maybe you can say, oh, I know why I'm, you know, this came because I am here versus this was something that I thought of back where I was. Hmm. There are some notes that I've made while I'm while I'm, in the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. are more in line with the final edits that I have to do on my latest projects. I can't say that I've, I mean, I've got, you can probably see it behind me. There's a bulletin board up there in the kitchen and it's got my new characters pictures up there. Mm. Um, And they just, they kind of look at me every day. And I think about that story. That's the new one that I don't really have down yet. I've got a, a good idea of where that's going. And I expected before I moved here that that would start to cook when I got to this space. I knew I had bits and pieces of other projects that I needed to finish and that would get the engines running. I told you on this before. So I know that, you know, this is where I need to be with certain projects. Those get the, the motor in gear. And then when everything's flowing and my sentences aren't sounding like a five-year-old wrote them, then I can get into more of a creative mode. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done this before when you're, when you're working on your fiction um, gone whether for a longer term or even just for part of the day or a weekend to a different location to work on your book all the time all the time Um, my friend carolyn burns bass who's another writer she and i before i moved would do these different location coffee shop writing you know afternoons basically together and we both found that that different location spurred a different um, perspective on what's going on on the laptop, not just what's going on around you. And I always, at least once a year, now it's going to change now because I am at a writing retreat permanently, um, but once a year I would have or host a writing retreat. I've hosted right on the beach for a couple of years, but we had to cancel this year. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it always, you know, when I go to the um, the place in Southern Pines and I write there in that big old haunted house, oh my God, it changes my writing so much. So much. I mean, I can totally understand why Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein in a gloomy manner in Italy while it rained for three weeks. Of course, setting <laughs> with what you write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's unbelievable. It 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 really can. I mean it it just because we are so influenced, you know, being writers, we're so mm-hmm. influenced by the physical space, by the emotions that or or the psychological impact of a physical space, you know, it can um there's no denying that. Now, um, it's just the way it opens up our senses to be in a new place. You know, I think that your senses kind of dull when you see the same thing day after day. You don't notice the way a, a ray of sunlight hits the 
teapot because you've seen it every morning uh -huh. to make your tea. But you notice that when you're in a new place. So your senses are, are doing these little fireworks all the time. You're open constantly. And of course, I think that that's the natural space that creativity lives in. When your senses are all open and you could cry at the drop of a hat, you feel every little breeze, you know, the water tastes like it just came out of the most pure fountain ever in creation, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that happens when you move, when you go to a new place, whether mm -hmm. moving to the beach or moving to a new smaller apartment or moving to another country, you know, I think it, it happens no matter where you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Um, now, you know, I realize not all writers have the option of relocating when they feel they need a change of scenery for inspiration. What can they do if, especially because we are still in the time of COVID, what can they do to bring that sense of freshness or newness to their physical space to kind of get get everything flowing again. Do you have any any suggestions from your experience? Sometimes it's just a matter of moving the laptop or wherever you write to another part of the house. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and making the space your own. I know there's a couple of people. I know my girlfriend Carol, who passed away a long time ago, used to write all her books in the bathtub. I mean, it's like okay. <laughs> keep the water from wetting your, <laughs> your words but okay she did and for her to, to stop that habit and to move to a couch or a desk meant that she wasn't getting what she needed creatively from that space I would think that I mean I have a little deck I can take my laptop out there I can take it downstairs in the, the little um fire pit area, mm -hmm. everybody, no matter where you are, has an open space somewhere. And we still have enough good weather that we can take advantage of that. Unfortunately, we can't go to coffee shops or libraries, um, but there's other ways. I mean, you know, a park bench, but mm -hmm. then, you know, or someplace on the ground, spread a blanket out. Yeah. Ooh, completely different, not even think about don't worry about changing your space. Change the way you write. Put the laptop away for a couple of days and write by hand. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. And, and actually doing that would also give you more flexibility because you could go sit on a park bench and not have to worry about, are you going to run out of battery power? You could even go sit in your car if you have to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, you know, it, it's interesting. I have... Um, about, oh geez, now I can't even remember how many years ago, eight or nine years ago, I guess it would be because it's been five years since he's been gone. But my dad had moved in with me after he had his cancer diagnosis. So I put an, an addition on my house so that he would have a, like a whole suite, you know, with the ADA bathroom and everything. And I put, um, since he was using the room upstairs where my office used to be, it had a window that let me look outside. Um, then when we put the addition on, we put, you know, full basement under it, and that's where my office has been. So, you know, I 
work down there. I mean, it's got everything, you know, file cabinets, printers, you name it, fine, hunky-dory. It's never, and it never bothered me, you know. I mean, I could be down there for eight, nine hours at a stretch. Never bothered me until this year. And I don't know how much of it, and it's, it's not like as if, I had this big social life, so with COVID, I feel restricted. I actually didn't, but it was the idea that if you, if I did go anywhere, even just to the grocery store, it was like, get in, get out, go back, you know, so um, I was finding it harder and harder to stay in that basement, you know, with, with just the windows that let in light, but it, you know, it's a basement, not like you can look out the windows. And it, it dawned, my dad died five years ago, and it, and it dawned on me that there's no reason why I can't work on the laptop upstairs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm now working in what used to be his bedroom, which is now the family room. And I could sit here and I could actually look out the window. I could look out the French doors. I could look at the squirrels who are telling me that I haven't fed them yet. Um, they get used to that but if you know I mean it is just so odd that even just making the shift um, has kind of helped me with all the psychological impact of COVID for one thing oddly enough I still do my own writing in my basement office I think because I want to stay focused Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I can't look out the window down there unless I would stand on a stool because I'm in the basement. But um, but everything else, you know, I can come up here and I can do my edits. I can do other things up here, and it is. It's just it's it's a better balance. But it took COVID to make me even think about. I up till now I hadn't even thought about working up here for some reason. I don't know. I it just never occurred to me. So it's yeah. Sometimes you got to be pushed. Yeah, we get into habits, too. I mean, not only do we have to establish a writing habit to get anything done, but I think once you establish that habit, you get into the habit of being in the same place all the time when you're doing your writing. You just shift that. Even if I just moved three feet over to the love seat over here, that's a totally different perspective. I'm sitting differently. I'm looking at the laptop differently. And I think your mind shifts to that and starts seeing things differently or yeah. producing a little bit more creative juice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one more question, because we are now deep into NaNoWriMo, and I know, you know, we are almost at the midpoint of it, and this is when that dreaded slump can hit so many people. You know, they're like approaching the, the midpoint in terms of writing uh, word count or whatever, and, you know, you, you get up one morning and you go, I have no idea where this story's going. I'm, and I'm never going to get this novel finished. So based on the fact that you've written, oh, one or two little books, um, <laughs> what, what advice do you have for writers when they hit that point where, they, where it's like, I mean, it's, it's like a wall. It's like a door has been shut in your face and you don't know where to go next with with the novel that you're working on, with the fiction, what, what do you do? Because I, I'm guessing it might have happened to you once or twice, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> um, I am an organized writer. Uh, and you probably understand this. You have to be in order to make a living at this. 
So I know my deadlines. I know, you know, how to break things into small bite-sized pieces for myself. So when I go into November and I think, okay, I've got this month to do this 50,000 plus word rough draft of a novel because of to it for NaNoWriMo, how do I break this up? Approximately how many pages do I think I'm going to have? Well, I look back at my my outline, which I usually have an outline, at least for the chapters, so that I know where the major movements are going. And I figure out how many words I can do per day. And you know, sometimes you can do 500, sometimes you can do 5,000, depending on how crazy the day is. So I take an average, plug it in 30 days in the month. I figure out how many pages I have to do each day. And if it gets to the point where I'm halfway through the amount of pages I need for that day and I'm running out of steam, I do a Stephen King and I will write, you know, no words, no play or something stupid for a couple of sentences until I get sick of it. And then it'll kick in again because I have enough of it together in my head. The other thing that I really didn't learn from a writer, I learned it from somebody who was trying to get rid of bad dreams is to give myself a prompt um, before I go to sleep at night. And it might be, I need to think about what this next scene is going to be so that I can prepare myself for the next day's writing. Because if my head's not there yet, I could sit in front of the screen and go, okay, I'm going to be doing a lot of this no words, no play thing all day. But I, I try to get myself mentally prepared and I realized, I realized my partner told me this, that I was doing the same thing that tennis players do, which kind of cracks me up because I am not a physical person. I love going out and doing things, but never been on a team or anything like that. But to, to get myself geared up for the next writing phase, I do the same thing they do. So I guess we're athletes. We're yeah. athletes. <laughs> Well, and it does make sense. I mean, I, and, I, and I think, too, the important thing is to not be scared. Mm-hmm. I, I would get scared when that would happen because I would think that that meant that I'm never going to write again. And it's happened enough times to, to me to realize, no, this is only temporary. It doesn't mean you're never going to write anything decent again. It's only temporary. But when it happens, it feels like this is permanent, you know. And writing is rewriting, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was Anne Lamott who said that gives herself permission to write a shitty first draft. And I tell my students that all the time because you have to be okay with just putting crap down. And if it's not good, you got to be okay with cutting it the next time you go into it. Mm-hmm. So you can't be married to it. You've got to be okay with writing crappy and you've got to be knowledgeable enough to go back and do the rewriting, which is where the real writing happens. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, I really appreciate you giving us all these things to think about in terms of space and place and, and the influence it can have on our writing and the fact that we can create a new space even in an old space, we just have to look for it and, and find it. So I just, I think it's a lot of really, really excellent 
information and I've, I've enjoyed talking with you and I'm envious because you can look out your window and see, see water and, and the only way I'm going to see water is if it really does rain, then I'll see water, but it, you know, <laughs> that's about it. But it, um, it's been very enjoyable to have you and I am looking forward to when your book comes out in the spring. So you'll have to let me know. I've enjoyed this very much. It's not the usual interview and that's always fun. So thank you for making the time and place and for inviting me. I appreciate it. All right. You have a wonderful day and good luck with all your writing. You too. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye. Bye.